0: Peace is something that we all long for, right? Peace in our world, peace in our own hearts and minds. Uh, Sometimes that's over little things. I had one of those this morning. Uh, As I reached for my sermon notes about 30 minutes ago, uh, I hit my glass of water and my water dumped out on my Bible and my sermon notes. And in that moment, I desperately needed peace because I was feeling anxiety, right? Right um so sometimes we lose peace over just like small things but of course in the brokenness of this world we sense the need for peace in a, in, a, in much more severe ways right when you hear of wars when you hear of growing tensions in our nation or around the world uh, when you sense all of the brokenness Uh, There is a, a desperate longing for peace. I've titled the sermon for today, The Triumphal Entry of the Prince of Peace. And this Easter season, it's a reminder to us that we have a Savior who came to bring about the peace that we desperately Long for. So I'm going to read the text. Uh, We've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We're going to continue that. However, we're just jumping ahead, right? Luke is working towards what uh, Jesus has done for us in the Gospel. He's telling the story. Uh, And so, although in our sermon series we're only in chapter 6, we're jumping ahead because today is Palm Sunday. The Triumphal Entry Sunday. And so we're going to jump ahead to Luke chapter 19. Turn with me in your Bibles or it's also going to be on the screen. I'm going to read Luke 19, 28 through 44. And then I'm going to pray for us. When he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany... At the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples and said, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. He was going along. And they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near the path, down the Mount of Olives. And the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. As he approached and saw the city, he wept for it. Saying, if you knew this day, what would bring peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst. Because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. Let's pray. God, as we do each week, we, we thank you for your word. We confess it is true. And as, as we start this Easter season uh, and are reminded of, of what Jesus was coming to accomplish and what he endured to accomplish it, I, I pray that we will be amazed again at, the, at, at our Savior And I pray that we will believe this message and be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So the central truth for us to hold on to is this, that Jesus came to make peace between God and man. Jesus came to make peace between God and man. And as we look at the passage on Jesus' triumphal entry, I want us to focus in on that theme of peace throughout this sermon. And so the first point for us is this. Jesus came to establish peace. Jesus came to establish peace. In the spring of 1940, France and Germany were at war. And by June of that same year, France was forced to sign an armistice to stop the fighting. Adolf Hitler had the meeting take place in the very location that Germany had been forced to surrender at the end of World War I. Where they had been forced to lay down their weapons just a couple of decades before. And after the armistice was signed and France agreed we will put down our weapons, we will not fight, Hitler and the Nazi army took a tour of Paris. And there are photos of him around the city, traveling down the Champs-Élysées in front of the Arc de Triomphe and, of course, famously stationed in front of the Eiffel Tower. Adolf Hitler and his Nazi soldiers touring the area. They were only there for a few hours. Uh, while they were there, they, he ordered two monuments that were monuments from World War I destroyed because, of course, Germany had lost World War I. Hitler was there for a mes- uh, a, a, with a message, he was there for a purpose. He was there to say, I'm, I'm righting the wrongs that happened to my people. I'm going to fix the embarrassment that my country endured just a couple of decades ago. And I'm now in charge. And this is common, right? This was a common thing throughout history when an occupying force would conquer... They would send in the leaders to send a message to the people of who's in charge. And so Hitler wanted to ensure that his message was made, even though the trip was short. He wanted to make sure that people around the world knew that he was in charge. When Jesus made plans to enter Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago, he was sending a message too. And that's what I want us to look at today is the message that was being sent because it's quite different than the message of what usually would happen uh, when a ruler would enter a city. He was making a statement about who he is and what he was coming for. And so our first point is that Jesus came to establish peace. Let's look at the text from Luke 19, verse 28 through 36. When he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples and said, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, why are you untying it? Or why are you untying the donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus Get on it. And as he was going along the way, they were spreading their clothes along the road. So Jesus headed towards the city of Jerusalem, right? And he stops at the Mount of Olives. And he sends his disciples into the, the village that's up ahead on the road and says, This is what I need you to do. I need you to go and get a young Donkey. It's one that no one has ever ridden on, and this is where you're going to find it. It's going to be tied up, and I need you to bring that. Jesus knows where they can find the colt. Jesus knows what the owners are going to say, right? He is fully aware of what is going to take place and tells his disciples, This is what you can expect, and this is how you respond. And it says here, everything was just as He said. Everything was just as He had told them. And so they bring the donkey to Jesus. They put coats on it as a saddle. And they help Jesus. And He starts riding towards Jerusalem. And Scripture is clear. He knows what's going to happen. Right? This is less than a week away from the cross. He was aware, he had told his disciples what was going to happen, and yet his heart was set on, doing, on, on accomplishing the mission that God had sent him for, which was to make peace between God and man. And so even though he was going to endure the cross, he was determined to go to Jerusalem and do whatever it took to accomplish that. And so as they are heading towards the, the city, people are throwing their clothes across the road. And it's interesting that this is a colt that has never been ridden. And some of you have worked with animals. Uh, know that an animal that has never been ridden would not typically just willingly go along with this right. That's why they call it. If you work with horses, they talk about having to break the horse, right? You, the a horse that's never been ridden isn't going to easily accept a rider. And in this circumstance, a colt of a donkey that's never had anyone sit on it, is now going to take Jesus into the city and not only is going to be having a rider, but also have all of the commotion of the crowd. People screaming, people shouting and singing praise to God, people throwing coats across the road. And of course, I believe that that's because the cult has come face to face with his maker, right? The creation has seen the creator and Willingly submits and willingly, submerge, willingly serves Jesus Christ. Now, the location here is important. It says that he stopped at the Mount of Olives. And the reason that that is important is because Zechariah, the prophet, has given multiple prophecies about the coming Messiah. And Zechariah 14, one of those is that the Messiah will come and stand on the Mount of Olives. In addition to that, we see a more specific prophecy from Zechariah 9. We read these words. Zechariah 9, verse 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Humble and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed and he will proclaim peace to the nations. So the prophet Zechariah says, when Messiah comes, this is what's going to happen. This is what the Messiah is going to do. He's going to come humbly on a colt of a donkey. And He's going to bring a message of peace. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ was coming to do as He entered into Jerusalem. He didn't enter in on a war horse, right? He didn't enter in with an army coming to take over. He entered in on a peace mission. He was there to establish peace between God and man, And so he came showing his humility, showing that he was the promised Messiah who was coming to bring peace, to proclaim peace to God's people. That was the message that he was sending. And so for us, it's important, since Jesus is the one that came to establish peace, it's important for us to believe in him and receive the peace that he brings. The second point from Luke 19 that I want us to see is this. Jesus deserves all praise for the peace he brings. Jesus deserves all praise for the peace that he brings. Looking at Luke 19, we're going to read verse 37 and 38. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully, with a loud voice for all the miracles that they have seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. The crowd of disciples are praising God for what has taken place. They're praising God for the miracles. They're praising God because they know what the prophet has said the prophet has said the king's going to come one day riding on a donkey on a colt of a donkey and he's coming to establish peace and the crowd see jesus coming and the disciples start to praise god he's doing it he's finally doing it he's coming peace is going to come Now, the song that they are referencing is a psalm. It's from Psalm 118. And so in Psalm 118, we see this messianic psalm. And we read these words from verse 25 and 26 of Psalm 118. It starts with, in verse 25, Lord, save us. Lord, save us. And that's what Jesus has come to do. Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. Verse 26. He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Now the disciples, of course, changed the word from he to king. Because they recognized the claim and they recognized Jesus as the coming king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They recognize Him as the promised Messiah. And so they add to that song back in Luke 19, the phrase, peace in heaven. and recognize that there's, there's peace in heaven now, right? Do you remember at the birth of Jesus, when we started in the Gospel of Luke, what the angels sang They sang about peace on earth. Up in heaven, the angels are declaring peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And now on earth, the people are singing praise to God because there is peace in heaven. The Messiah has come. The Messiah is entering Jerusalem And he's coming to establish peace. And that's exactly what Jesus was there for. Verse 39 and 40, he goes on. Luke goes on and says this. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered them, I tell you, If if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. The Pharisees were watching. And of course they were. We've already seen that. And we're going to see that throughout the Gospel of Luke. The Pharisees have been watching him. They've been waiting for an opportunity to catch him. To get him to do something that they could put him to death for. And here they see the people crying out praise to God. And admitting that they are recognizing him as the coming Messiah. And the Pharisees say... Are you going to let this happen? Put a stop to this now. Don't you recognize what they're saying about you? Stop them from praising. Because they don't believe that he's the promised one. They don't recognize him as the coming king who came to establish peace. And Jesus responds. And that response carries two messages. The first is the praise is deserved. The praise is deserved. And see, so he says, if the disciples are silent, the stones are going to cry out praise to God for what's taking place. Meaning, it, praise is fitting in this moment. For the promised Messiah to be coming into the city of Jerusalem, praise is appropriate. And of course, the second message is a rebuke of the Pharisees. They don't recognize Him as the promised Messiah. And He's saying, the stones know it. An inanimate object that doesn't even have a mind would praise God. And yet here you are, holding back and refusing to offer the praise that is deserved. He's worthy of, He deserves all praise because of the peace that he brings. And we see in Revelation that that will happen. The book of Revelation, chapter 5. We see these words written. Revelation 5, verse 11 through 13. Then I looked and I heard a voice from many angels around the throne And also the living creatures and of the elders, their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth On the sea and everything in them say blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever worthy is the lamb. Every creature singing his praise because he deserves all praise for the peace that he brings. And so if you have come to faith in Jesus Christ if you have put your trust in Him and received the forgiveness that comes and the peace that can only come through Him, let's live our lives as lives of praise. Not just songs, right? Yes, we should sing praise to God. But living our lives, even our actions, living them as a praise to God, as a worship of God because of the peace that has been established between God and man through Jesus Christ. Let's live our lives as lives of praise. The third point from this text that I want us to see is this, Jesus is the only way to lasting peace. Jesus is the only way to lasting peace. Let's look back at verse 41 through 44 in Luke 19. As he approached and saw the city, he wept for it, saying, if you knew this day what would bring peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, for the days will come... On you, when your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side, they will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, weeps over Jerusalem. The city, because yes, he's as he's coming to the city. His disciples in a large crowd are praising him, but he knows that that is not going to be the full reception that he receives. Not everyone will receive him as the coming Messiah. He knows that he's headed to the cross. He will ultimately be rejected and when he sees the city jerusalem and knows what's about to and en- he's in- about to endure because of their rejection he weeps over it not weeping because of the pain he's going to endure but weeping because God's people are about to miss it they're about to miss what God is trying to do and he says you're going to miss the point And you're going to reject me. And you don't know that I am the way for you to have the peace that you long for. Verse 43 and 44 comes into a very specific prophecy against the city of Jerusalem. And it's one that was fulfilled about 40 years later. It's one that took place in 70 AD when the Roman government sends in Titus with an army and Titus destroys the city. In less than four decades, the city is going to be completely wiped out with only one interior wall at the temple left standing just to be a sign to the people of look how great this place used to be before Rome took care of it. And so it's a very specific prophecy that you're you're going to reject me and destruction's going to come. And it happened just as Jesus told them. Now, although this is a very specific prophecy that already took place to the city of Jerusalem, it is a reminder to us that rejection of Jesus Christ does lead to destruction, All right, We looked at that last week as we were walking our way through Luke 6 and that even if you have every blessing that this world has to offer, if you don't have Jesus, you face eternal doom. Scripture is clear on that. And of course, the reality is that God does not desire that destruction, Right? God does not desire that. That's why Jesus wept. He doesn't want the people to miss it. He doesn't want the city to reject Him. God desires for us to receive Christ and receive the forgiveness that comes through Him and to receive the peace between God and man that is available because of what He is going to do on the cross. And isn't it interesting that He's on a peace mission And he's coming to establish peace between God and man. And how he's going to do that is through facing the most violent act of execution of the day. The Roman cross was not allowed. It was against the law for a Roman citizen to receive execution through the cross. Because it was too cruel. They wouldn't do it for their own citizens no matter what they did. Jesus is coming to establish peace and he's going to do that through receiving the most horrific act of violence. When he is nailed to the cross and takes the punishment that we deserve for our sins. And God's desire is that through that, that if we would just put our hope in him, if we would just put our trust in him and receive Jesus, we would be forgiven Because He took the punishment for us. God does not desire us to face the destruction that is to come. The book of Colossians chapter 1. We see these words written by Paul. Colossians 1 verse 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile everything to Himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. God made peace available to us. He made reconciliation available to us by offering His Son to take the punishment that we deserved. He went to the cross and made peace available that if we would just believe in Jesus, we could receive that peace. And so for us, let's put our hope on Jesus, right? As we talked about the reality that this world, we feel the desperate need for peace and we look for that in all kinds of different ways. And so let's put our hope in Jesus because he's the only one that can make true and lasting peace available to us. We won't find peace in anything else. He's our only hope at lasting peace. If you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus, uh, you've never received uh, the peace available to you by coming and trusting in jesus christ we want you to know peace is available peace for your heart and mind peace between you and god god loved us enough to send his son to endure the cross to make peace between him and us and so if you want to know more about how to uh, trust in Christ, if you want to know more about what Jesus accomplished and how you can receive the forgiveness of your sins, please schedule a time to talk with me. You can fill out one of the little yellow cards on the, on the front of the, the seats in front of you and just say you want to meet with the pastor. I'd love to be able to talk with you. Church, for us, let's keep living lives of praise because of the peace That Jesus has accomplished and let's put our hope in him alone he's the only way for us to experience the peace that we desperately need let's pray heavenly father we thank you for your love we thank you for the truth of your word and this beautiful beautiful story That may be familiar to many of us, but is still just as important for us today. Thank you for the peace that you have made. Jesus, thank you for enduring the cross in order to make peace. Shape our lives and use us for your glory, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Let's stand, and we're going to sing the doxology. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost.